0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to A Deeper Look here on Federal News Network. Each episode, we focus on a single federal agency to better understand its mission, its impact on the public, and the people who work here. Now your host, Joe Paiva.
1: Today's guest is Arun Vinka Trauman, the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Director General of the U.S. Foreign and Commercial Service. And we're just going to dive right in, Arun. I'll tell you, before I do, though, I am super excited about this interview because I love the ITA. And I think it's probably the best job I ever had. And so we could talk all day about a million things, but I'm going to try to stick to the script. So before we jump in, if you could. Can you just give us a quick synopsis of what is the International Trade Administration? What is the commercial service? Just so people know what we're kind of talking about.
2: Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here with you. Uh, And I hate to break it to you, but uh, this really was the best job you ever had. So good to have you back here in the building. The International Trade Administration is a bureau within the U.S. Department of Commerce. And our job here is to strengthen the competitiveness of U.S. industry, to bring jobs home, keep jobs home, and ensure that American workers earn the right to a living uh, that they deserve to have as far as hard as they work. Within the International Trade Administration, we have an organization called Global Markets, which is the organization that I'm privileged to lead. And Global Markets is responsible for promoting exports from the United States of goods and services. We are also responsible for promoting investment from overseas into the United States. And we are also responsible for ensuring that when we engage with foreign governments, we make sure that they set up the right business environment so that our company...
1: Great introduction. So with that, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask every agency leader. You're on Taxpayer Shark Tank, and you have 60 seconds to explain to the American taxpayer why they should continue to fund the International Trade Administration and the Commercial Service.
2: Joe, that's a pretty easy question the short answer to that is that we serve small businesses day in and day out over 85 percent of our clients are small businesses and what do we do for them we provide them government services and products that help them sell overseas now why does that matter that's because over 95 percent of the world's consumers are outside the united states so there's nothing complicated here it's just about making more sales we're in the business taking small businesses and helping them find new customers and make more money and create jobs here at home. Who doesn't want to do that?
1: Well, that's how you help businesses. How do you help ordinary citizens?
2: Guess what, Joe? It's those businesses that employ most Americans in this country. So American workers depend on the success of small businesses because most Americans work for small businesses. Small businesses are the generators of jobs and economic growth in this country. So we need to help those small businesses reach those customers overseas. Because if they don't reach those customers overseas, you know who will? Chinese companies, French companies, and Japanese companies.
1: So one of the joys of the way our system is set up is federal agencies don't get to change their mission every time they get a new leader. The, the core mission stays pretty consistent across presidencies and administrations. But how we implement those missions changes, right? The, the the actual priorities of the day change. So, in keeping with that, what would you say are the most urgent priorities you have for the next twelve to twenty four months? The the kind of things that you're really focused on, and how do they align with you know kind of that broader long term mission of the ITA?
2: Sure. Well, remember, Joe, as I said earlier, we are in the in the ITA are in the business of strengthening the competitiveness of U.S. industry. And what we do in global markets is we make sure that the U.S. industry is strengthened by providing them access to foreign markets and by bringing investment into the United States. So when I think about my priorities, first and foremost, what I want to make sure is that the products and services that we as a government have to help small businesses are made available to all of our small businesses. We have a number of small businesses that don't even know about our products and services. They paid for those products and services. They're taxpayers. We want to make sure that those small businesses have access to those products and services. And why? Because those products and services will get them into foreign markets, will get them the new customers, that will create the new sales, that will create the jobs here in America. So that's my number one priority, is to reach a whole new client base out there that is not currently using our services. What are we also trying to do? The president has been clear since day one that one of the key focuses of this administration is to strengthen the resiliency of our supply chains. We learned during the pandemic that supply chains are not only vulnerable, but they have really hurt average Americans by virtue of uh, their dispersed nature. So what are we going to do about that? We are in the business of making sure that we no longer rely on supply chains from partners that are not reliable. Uh, We work with companies overseas. We encourage them to come to the United States, set up shop here, working with all 50 states and all of our territories to create the right environment for those companies to come here and manufacture here in the United States. And you've seen the results already. We are already bringing manufacturing back to the United States. And we here at Global Markets have a key role to play in that. Through the success of our program called Select USA, which is how we attract investment into the United States, We have brought companies to the United States from all over the world because they recognize that the United States is the best environment to make products in and the best environment in which to get a return for their investment. So we're making sure that we're strengthening our supply chains by doing that. What are we also trying to do? We're trying to make sure that American companies compete and compete against the usual suspects. You know who they are. There are players out there. That are engaged in unfair trade practices that are engaged in non-market practices that every day hurt american workers that close down our manufacturing companies this administration has made clear that we're no longer going to put up with that so we are working to make sure that not only in china for example but around the world our companies are competitive our companies have the right tools to compete against Chinese companies, we're also making sure that those Chinese companies don't engage in unfair trade practices here in the United States.
1: Great introduction. So with that, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask every agency leader. You're on taxpayer Shark Tank and you have 60 seconds to explain to the American taxpayer why they should continue to fund the International Trade Administration and the Commercial Service.
2: Joe, that's a pretty easy question uh the short answer to that is that we serve small businesses day in and day out over 85 percent of our clients are small businesses and what do we do for them we provide them government services and products that help them sell overseas now why does that matter that's because over 95 percent of the world's consumers are outside the united states so there's nothing complicated here it's just about making more sales we're in the business of taking small businesses and helping them find new customers and make more money and create jobs here at home. Who doesn't want to do that?
1: This is Joe Paiva with A Deeper Look with the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Director General of the U.S. Foreign and Commercial Service, Arun Venkatraman. This is Joe Paiva with Arun Benkatraman, the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Director General of the U.S. and Foreign Commercial Service. Hey, Arun, you talked about your priorities and how they align to the overall mission of, of the ITA. How do those priorities kind of mesh with the competencies and the skill sets of the staff, and how do you... In a world that's changing every day, I mean, how you sell overseas changes every day. The competition changes. It's business. Things are moving fast. How do you help your staff, government employees and contractors supporting the ITA and and global markets? How do you kind of help them evolve to meet the challenge as the challenge changes?
2: Well, Joe, uh, first of all, I would say that I could not be more fortunate and privileged in this position to lead a team that is so innovative that over the 42 years that the commercial service has existed, we are not the same organization that we were 42 years ago. Thanks to our incredible team members on the ground across the United States and across the countries of the world and here at headquarters, they are constantly thinking about how to best meet the needs of their clients. The clients they have today are not the clients they had 42 years ago. So our team members roll with it. They change with their clients. They have understood that those clients as their needs have changed the products and services that we used to have may need to be tweaked or maybe we need to add new products and services and i see every time i travel to one of our offices here in the united states i see the innovation firsthand i see what some of our team members are doing with clients that they've never done with any other clients before but they're giving it a shot they're trying out a new approach whether it's a new form of of trade counseling or using new tools, digital tools and others at their disposal to find new customers for these clients. They're making every use of new tools that they have to create innovative solutions for their clients. So I'd, be, I'd first answer your question by saying that the, having the gift of a team that is so inherently innovative because they are driven by responding to client needs. We are a client-facing organization in global markets. And so having that as their North Star already gets us most of the way there now of course in addition to that what do we also do we also make sure that we do stay abreast of the latest challenges we engage very closely with industry there is no organization in government that is closer to industry than the commerce department and particularly those of us here in the international trade administration and in global markets we are hand in glove with us industry because we are here to serve their needs so that they can create jobs here at home
1: Could you could you share with us any last thoughts about the president has made it very clear that improving the quality and diversity of the federal workforce is very much a priority for him? And, you know, the Foreign Service was not always the most diverse place in the world. Right. Um, And that goes back to being a a British uh, colony, you know, 300 years ago. What are you doing, and more importantly, what's the agency doing as a whole, not just now, but I mean, this is, I saw part of this transformation when I was here, but, you know, it was eight years ago. But what exactly are you doing to kind of help improve the diversity of not just the ITA, but also the Foreign Commercial Service?
2: Thanks, Joe. And, you know, you are absolutely right about the priority that we place on making sure that our workforce across the organization looks like America that is the charge that the president has given to us and I could not be prouder that up and down this organization across the leadership we are all not only committed to that charge we are passionate about making that happen and so each of us takes it upon ourselves uh, and knows that it is a part um, not just a part of our mandate but it is a part of what the passion that drives us in everything that we do particularly with respect to the foreign service you know the foreign service is a unique creature and so most people don't know about the foreign service so part of what we have to do is first make sure that people know that there is a foreign service and what does it mean to be part of the foreign service when you're part of the foreign service you are out there overseas representing your country you are the face of the united states in lands across this world i can tell you when just from my own travels there is nothing more awe-inspiring and more humbling than being somewhere and speaking for the United States. Um, And getting across that opportunity, that ability, and that passion to students and uh, professionals around our country is the first thing that we do. And we do that through a number of organizations. We have partner organizations that we use to reach students, to reach different institutions, so that we can make them aware of what this job actually entails. What we also do is we recognize that we need to not just Tell students about these opportunities. We need to bring them in. What is our pipeline? So we create internship. We create internships where we make sure that though we have internships that um, that are uh, are paid internships, where that they, they can then come into a stream of, of employment here at the Department of Commerce. And one of those areas of employment, of course, is the Foreign Service. And we encourage uh, students of all backgrounds to go to the Foreign Service because. Our foreign service is most successful when it reflects America. Not just how we look, but our, our breadth of experience. We want a foreign service that is truly American because we bring the best of America when we are like America. And so we make sure that those internships we have can be converted to, to jobs. Now what we also have to do, we, we know very well from history that it is not just about bringing people in. There's no point bringing people in if they're gonna leave in two years. We have to get them to stay so we need to we work very closely with our entire team to make sure that we understand the value of having a diverse workforce and we take very seriously the obligations that we are under to ensure equity and to ensure fairness in everything that we do and i am proud that in my experience here every colleague i've worked with is incredibly committed Uh, To that objective.
1: You know, along those lines, I heard about this uh, program, Building Bridges to Foreign Markets, and how it's helping you reach rural America and other underserved communities across the country. Can you talk a little bit about that in specific?
2: Absolutely, Joe, with pleasure. In in global markets, we have an initiative called the Global Diversity Export, uh, Export Initiative. And the entire focus of that initiative is to advance one of the key priorities that I mentioned, which is to reach new communities that have not been users of our services to date. And so we know that it's not enough to just put on our website that we have services, come use them. Like That's not enough. We need to reach these communities and take affirmative steps to do so. So what we do is we work very closely with a lot of our national partner organizations and other friends on the ground in local communities to reach communities that may not have been users of our services before. Uh, what we also do is we have this program called Building Bridges to Global Markets, and the purpose of this program is to go around the country into the communities themselves. It's, on, it's on, incumbent upon us to reach those communities by showing up and inviting them to these programs where we lay out for them how the whole of government has resources for them to help their businesses succeed and to help them grow and then set, sell products in foreign markets and we not only demonstrate the uh, the products and services that are available across the federal government we also bring in our state and local um, economic development organizations as partners so that what we put on for them is the whole panoply of resources that are available to them so that to make sure that they succeed and then we combine the awareness that we provide by telling them about those programs, by then having one-on-one counseling sessions, all free of charge, to make sure that they're not only aware of these programs, they know how to use them, they know how to incorporate them into their business plans, and they know what what is available as they start thinking about getting access to those customers overseas that they don't have access to right now.
1: Well, with your background, you could work for a lot of big companies and a lot of big jobs, but you keep coming back. So I got to ask, you know, what is your inspiration? What for you personally, what makes public service so rewarding that, you know, you've now been willing twice to walk away from your commercial career and, and come and do this?
2: You know, Joe, what makes it most rewarding for me is exactly what makes it rewarding for my entire team. I have a team that is so driven by mission and by the passion they have for public service and by the knowledge they have that everything they do day in, day out advances the public interest, does help people. When you're in a job like that, it's easy to get up in the morning. Um, and so I'm proud to be part of a team that shares that mission and that, with whom I share a commitment to, to serving the public. No job in the world gives you that kind of satisfaction. And so, you know what, it's addictive. You gotta keep coming back.
1: Well, that's fantastic. We will be back after the break with Dale Tasharkey, your deputy, but this has been Joe Piva with A Deeper Look with the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Director General of the U.S. Foreign and Commercial Service, Arun Venkatruman.
2: Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, it's great to be with you.
1: Coming up next, we'll be talking with Dale Tsharki, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets. You're listening to A Deeper Look with Joe Palmer. Dale Tisharski, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Deputy Director General of the U.S. and Foreign Commercial Service. Hey, Dale! Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I think we got a pretty good laydown from Arun on what ITA does, and you know, and he spoke a lot about global markets and the commercial service. But you know, you're the career guy. You've been doing this for a long time, and and you've been deep in the bowels of commercial service from from the field office all the way through. So can you start with just giving us a little history of the commercial service going back a ways and, you know, how that relates to the broader foreign service and how it fits into the ITA and, you know, that kind of broad perspective that you can bring?
0: Thank you, Joe. It's it's great to be here, and it's great to see you again. It's uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to have this opportunity to to chat with you about something very near and dear to my heart, which is the uh, uh, the U.S. and foreign commercial service. Yeah, the history uh, goes way back. Actually, it goes back forty three years. Actually, uh, forty four years if you go back to nineteen seventy nine, where where they had a, a reorganization plan that was put in place in November that year uh, to bring all of the, the trade components under one roof at the Commerce Department. It's the same time that ITA was established the uh, U.S. and Foreign Commercial Service was established uh, under the Foreign Service Act of 1980, which came about six months later. Uh, that's when we were officially the uh, uh, Foreign Service officers from from the State Department were put into the Commerce Department uh, in order to help U.S. companies do business overseas. About a year later, we uh, connected ourselves with a U.S. field force of, uh, of of what were at the time called district offices, domestic offices across the United States that were in congressional districts and had been around, uh, you could date them back almost 100 years now. and We are connected to them in order to help U.S. companies on the ground in the United States. Uh, help them export uh, help them do business overseas and then overseas in these markets overseas where we are today uh, to help them uh, uh, to help them get their uh, get their business done um, our primary uh, purpose was uh, for exporting over the years we've uh, developed a very strong skill set in, in, in almost consultancy services to help us companies do business as well as to attract foreign investment uh, into the United States which is a really key component to our uh, to our growth here uh, so we've been around a long while about uh, about 43 years and uh, I've been been around since 1985, so I've been around about 38 of those, and I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it uh, over the years uh, develop. Uh, we are, uh, as a part of ITA, you asked how it uh, sort of fits within ITA. We're the export counseling, the market assistance kind of guys, the market intelligence folks business matchmaking and, and, and something we like to call commercial diplomacy, which is working with governments to help uh, help bring U.S. business uh, to their markets. Our, our folks in industry and analysis is another bureau. There are three bureaus, uh, global markets being one, industry and analysis uh, being the, uh, uh, the next. Uh, they're involved in uh, trade analyses and engaging with industries on trade strategies, including things like manufacturing, uh, services, uh, textiles, consumer goods and materials, uh, and travel and tourism as well. And then our our third piece uh, in ITA is uh, enforcement and compliance. Uh, We work there in that office to uh, ensure, I think, a a level playing field for U.S. industries, really, and defending against unfair trade practices and and ensuring compliance with existing trade agreements. Uh, They do these things uh, uh, through anti-dumping and countervailing duty laws and trade agreements compliance and foreign trade zones as well, uh, which are very important. So those are the three components. And, again, they all uh, sort of came together in uh, 1979, 1980, uh,
1: so that the Commerce Department could help uh, U.S. business abroad. Well, you know, for people who don't know, when I came to the ITA, I had no idea. I had I hadn't even heard of it, honestly, before I came. And I always tell people it was the most amazing experience working here for me because I had been overseas a bunch as a military officer. And my experience with the Foreign Service was, shall we say, less than ideal in that in that role. And then I came here and I got to see the amazing things we did, both domestically and overseas, the impact we had on people's lives. I mean, you've been doing this for 38 years. Can you can you share just a couple stories of, you know, how we've helped people both here in the U.S. and overseas and like, you know, some real specific stories like I I can remember a few, but they'd be much better coming from you.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there there are so many. Really, there are small stories. There are there are large stories uh, to tell. Uh, uh, we uh, in our business, we do everything from. Uh, sitting across the table from a from a U.S. company uh, to uh, in helping them understand uh, their, their you know the opportunities they might have and some of the challenges they might have uh, for doing international business, and then we also do you know major trade events where uh, where we bring uh, hundreds of uh, of U.S. companies together to display their uh, their products, their services, uh, and to uh, and to try and entice uh, you know uh, foreign buyers and others to, uh, to, to to do business with them. Thinking back, uh, I, 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 I should probably start you know closer to now and thinking back to maybe 2016 when I think for many of us in uh, in global markets and ITA, uh, frankly in the Commerce Department, uh, had an opportunity to. Uh, to, to have uh, President Obama at the time come to uh, uh, the Hanover Trade Fair, the Hanover Messe in Hanover, uh, where the U.S. Uh, was uh, designated as the uh, partner country uh, that year, and we brought uh, hundreds of U.S. companies and uh, a, a number of uh, an equal number of economic development organizations from from across the United States uh, to really put on a good show for uh, uh, for all of Europe uh, in terms of uh, uh, that America was uh, very interested in doing business, uh, not only in Germany but but. In Europe and 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 it was the only, as I understood, it was the only time that the that the president had ever traveled to a trade event in his eight years in uh, in, in office. And we were so excited uh, uh, to see him uh, to see him there. And he met with the chancellor at the time, toured the exhibitions, and 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 you just you can see what's for a person like me who's been in the business for a while you can really get a sense of uh, of the satisfaction and the excitement that, that companies have when they're basically being and not only selling their products and services but they're representing america and then to have our president come by and and and, and meet with them and, and and encourage them along was just uh, really kind of delightful to see so that's a very positive uh, very positive story for me and, I, and as, I, as i think back to um uh, to my time as a as a trade specialist you know i i started in our u.s field in uh, in nashville tennessee and was was a trade specialist there helping companies in 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 the central part of the state learn how to export and 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 you know connect with their um, uh, connect with our markets overseas and then i became a foreign service officer in 1990 but but back in back in nashville you know you'd sit across the table like we're sitting here now and uh you would you would talk about uh, you know how, what 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 a, a company might need to do to, to help them understand uh, the, the things they have to go through to get their product uh, overseas. And, and, and I have to say that in, the, uh, uh, in those moments when you don't know who's going to come through your door uh, and, and I do remember uh, uh, you know companies coming in uh, uh, and doing uh, basically introducing themselves and their product at the time they meet you right? And I, I'll recall one, uh, one particular company, and, and, and I don't want to – I have to be careful here how I say this. Maybe uh, uh, we may have to edit this uh, later on, Joe. But, but uh, we had a, a, a lady come into the, to the office, uh, very, very excited, uh, and came into my office, sat across the table from me. And she said, I'm really excited. I've got a great product to sell internationally, and I want you to help us. Uh, help me with it. Uh, and I said, "Well, what is it?" She said, "Oh, it's a it's a novelty. You'll love this." And she proceeded to pull out a, a test tube rack, you know, like the kind you used to have in, in class back in uh, back in school, and and put in four test tubes. And in the in the test tubes, she put in uh, she put in uh, you know filled them up two thirds of the way with water, uh, and uh, and I'm sitting there kind of. She wasn't saying anything at this time. She was just putting it together, right? And then she dropped these uh, these small pellets into the. Uh, into the uh, uh, test tubes. And this is about 19, I think this, we're talking about 1986, 1987, uh, around that time period. And uh, I watched as these pellets grew into little sponge uh, uh, shapes that, um, that just kind of catch, <laughs> this is where you have to be careful how you say this, little spongy shapes that kind of catch your eye and catch your fascination. And she, she proclaimed after they had, they had all expanded into their shapes in these test tubes, she said, here they are, test tube babies. You remember the day test tube babies? I know as many a lot of folks around the you know that are listening may or may not remember, but uh, uh, it was amazing. And then when she said that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, this is <laughs> this is something. So how do you export something like that, right? And of course, you look at, at novelty areas and things along those lines. Again, this may be something we don't want to we don't want to share, but uh, it was uh, those are the kind of things you uh, you run into now. From the, you know, over the years, you you know, it's not just about test two babies. And thinking back, you know, that that was in 2016. Um, thinking back to uh, the earlier uh, time, uh, the earlier stage of my career in the in the mid 1980s, I, I was in the Nashville, uh, Tennessee office, and, and we were able to, through our um, uh, district export council, which are U.S. companies that are exporters, uh, that um, uh, that that help other exporters export uh, in, in a way, and and uh, they work closely with our uh, uh, with our uh, U.S. field offices, even to this day. Uh, back then, uh, our district export council wanted to take a a mission to uh, uh, to Europe. Uh, and uh, in particular to uh, to Eastern Europe, uh, which was which was interesting, and we didn't know how it was going to go, but we were able to recruit um, uh, 12, U, uh, 12 Tennessee companies uh, to go with us on this uh, on this trip. and everything from uh, from small uh, handmade jewelry uh, to um, uh, to machine products. Uh, to uh, to tape. I mean, these are small companies, right? Uh, from from across the state, that uh, you know that, that, that have uh, uh, you know that have small uh, small numbers of employees uh, that we're looking to expand. Their, uh, uh, their markets uh, worldwide and, and, and Europe and in particular Eastern Europe was an opportunity uh, in the mid to, mid 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 to late 1980s. Uh, so we put together a trip and, and recruited these, uh, these 12 companies. Uh, took them overseas for 10 days and I had the, uh, the pleasure of, of being on the trip and, 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 and being with them you know for the entire time and as they, as they met with meetings, as they had their meetings, excuse me. Uh, and met with uh, uh, US government officials as well as uh, local government officials in the in the markets we uh, we went to they were assisted of course by our uh, our US uh, uh, and foreign commercial service foreign service officers which uh, to me uh, uh, really opened up my eyes as to what we could do for US companies and and, and through that assistance uh, I, I'm very proud to say that all 12 of the companies uh, did business coming out of that and 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 all of them were able to sustain their their employees the jobs that they had uh, and, and create new jobs uh, for employees which is something that you know that that really is why we, we do this when we think back on, on, on our careers. We're in it because we know not only we're representing uh, you know the U.S. Uh, uh, the United States in, 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 in foreign markets. I mean it's it's a it's a pleasure to represent your your your, your country, its its values and, and, and democracy in general. Uh, but it's also about uh, helping uh, uh, helping U.S. companies and and through helping U.S. companies creating jobs back in the United States. Uh, and, that, uh, and that particularly plays well with small, small to medium-sized companies. And on that trip, uh, we had uh, a dozen of them, and, and all of them did business, and, and uh, you know, jobs were created. And it was very, very satisfying in that
1: way. That's fantastic. Uh, I love it. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to finish our discussion with Dale Tasharsky, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Deputy Director of the Foreign Commercial Service. This is A Deeper Look with Joe Potter. back with Dale tocharskyep, principal Deputy sector of Commerce for Global Markets. So how about a day in the life of a foreign commercial service officer sitting overseas? I mean you can clearly talk to that. I think your last post was what Berlin? Yeah so, so can you can you tell us about life life in Berlin as a foreign commercial service officer?
0: Well, I, I mean, life in Berlin is great. I mean, for those that uh, are listening that haven't visited uh, uh, Berlin, I certainly encourage you uh, to do so. That's uh, such a, a diverse and uh, and interesting uh, historic uh, historic place. The city and the Germans, of course, are are, are great uh, are great people and great trading partners. Frankly, with us, uh, we um, yeah, life in Berlin and helping U.S. companies is really about uh, you know helping uh, helping companies. Meet it's 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 a convening exercise for us in many ways. Uh, we we bring uh, our companies together with potential partners uh, to do business. So we match make them. Uh, we call that matchmaking in in, in our uh, in, in in sort of the work that we do. We help them uh, you know uh, gain access to industry and government officials in, in, in Germany in particular uh, they have industry associations that are very important and powerful and, and connected to the government and to do business there you've gotta, you've got to have a, a, a good in there with, uh, with various industries and companies within those industries. so we help we help do that. Uh, we also helped, uh, as I mentioned in 2016, in that trade show. We helped uh, uh, promote uh, the products and services of our of our company, so that was exciting. But but a day in the life, uh, just in a broad sense, uh, and I think that's true for all of us in not only in the foreign side and the foreign commercial service, but also in our U.S. field, who are you know a tremendous colleagues, each and every one of them. We get great satisfaction about, uh, through helping a company, whether we're giving them a piece of information, whether we're connecting them with another company, whether we're uh, encouraging them and, and, and getting them into a trade mission overseas or a trade show, you know, whatever the case, whether we're doing a seminar, uh, a webinar or something to, to help them understand uh, the ins and outs of doing business internationally, we get a, a significant amount of uh, satisfaction from from that day in, day out, and, and the job itself is uh, for those of you that are interested in this kind of work, it varies day on day on day. It's not the same every day, and, and, and that's kind of fun. Uh, but at the same time, it's really, it's really great to, uh, to have that satisfaction at the end of the day that you've helped the company, you've helped the family, uh, you've helped create jobs. And uh, that's what keeps you going. That's why I've done it for so long. And I, I'll tell you what, I do it all over again.
1: Well, that's a good lead into my next question. But just reminding everyone, we're here with Dale Tsharsky, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets. Dale, you know, that's a great lead into the career. You have been doing this for quite some time. You've been very successful, um, a storied career to say the least. Can, Can you talk to potential foreign commercial service officers about what a career would look like? How many different duty stations, stateside versus overseas and that kind of stuff?
0: That's, uh, that's a great question, and, and, and I think for those listening out there, if you're interested, uh, let me just say that uh, a career in the foreign service in general uh, is great. A career in the foreign commercial service is even that much better. Uh, uh, and and we have uh, uh, the way to get in uh, is through an assessment process that we run, uh, just about on an annual basis now, and that, that assessment will um, uh, will allow you to, um, to sit down uh, and, and tell us who you are and tell us what your background is and, and, and go through a series of exercises that will, that will uh, give us a chance to determine whether you have what it takes, if you will, to, to, to be a Foreign Service Officer and a Foreign Commercial Service Officer. Once you have passed that assessment, uh, you have an opportunity uh, to one to work in our U.S. field uh, for a while, uh, which is great because you get to meet with U.S. companies and and, and help uh, help uh, companies uh, you know, reach and get information uh, about doing business internationally. And so that's a good uh, that's a good way to start. Or you might go right overseas if if you've got a language. You know, we're looking for folks that have good skills uh, in, in languages. Uh, We might uh, send you to uh, a market where the language is useful, Uh, but we will uh, we will assign you uh, to your first uh, to your first tour uh, regardless. And and, uh, uh, that helps us uh, uh, fill some critical positions. And it also helps, I think, uh, new officers who are coming in as as career candidates get the experience uh, that we think is uh, most valuable to them so they can they can succeed uh, throughout their their career. After about year five, uh, our career candidates uh, who ha- may be served in a couple of posts, uh, well first one on a two-year assignment, maybe the next one on a two-year assignment or a three-year assignment, right around year five, uh, there's, uh, there's another assessment to take a career candidate and make them a career um, uh, officer uh, in the in the Foreign Service, and, and that, um, uh, that's a that's a great process. It's, just, it's an important moment in uh, uh, in their careers, um, and from then, uh, officers have an opportunity to bid. Uh, they can uh, they can uh, tell us where they'd like to go uh, and why, and then we have an assignment uh, uh, panel process that uh, that will select them for uh, certain jobs that we have uh... around the world and we're in uh, hundred and twenty embassies and consulates uh... uh... today uh... all around the world in about eighty uh... eighty foreign, eighty overseas countries uh... so we've got a a, a diverse uh... A set of opportunities for for folks that are interested in doing international work uh, in a foreign service atmosphere and then you know uh... once you're overseas you work uh... you know where you do you help uh... do uh, help companies do business as i've described you also work within a uh... an embassy or a consulate working with colleagues from the State Department and other agencies, the Agriculture Department, the Defense Department, others, uh, to try and, uh, and advance the mission of, of the United States in, in those countries uh, and, of course, advance uh, our our, uh, our mission to help uh, uh, bring uh, U.S. business to the world. Um, and it's just that every uh, three or four years uh, you have a chance to bid again and you, uh, you kind of go to the next place. And uh, before you know it, you've been around as long as I have and looking back and wishing you could do it all over again.
1: Well, it's nothing if not an exciting career. So you spoke a little bit about the assessment process. During your time, what do you think has changed in terms of the assessment process or the recruiting process to make the Foreign Commercial Service a little more accessible or attainable as a career to people from rural America, underserved communities, where, you know, the not everyone gets to go to SAIS for grad school, right?
0: Great question. I think Arun said it well when uh, he indicated that you know our our, our organization, uh, our foreign commercial service, our U.S. and foreign commercial services, is is, is stronger and, and, and more effective, and uh, and 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 really better for for U.S. business and for our country when it represents uh, the diversity of our country, and uh, so we're doing everything we can. Uh, to enhance our our pipeline of, in our outreach activities, I think outreach is where you start, and and to enhance that pipeline, uh, to uh, to reach uh, more diverse uh, more diverse communities, HBCUs. Um, uh, various um, uh, uh, different types of HBCUs and, and a, r- a range of, uh, of organizations, uh, diverse organizations that represent uh, underserved uh, people and underserved uh, communities. One thing we're doing is we have a foreign commercial officer outreach program that really does target uh, universe, university students from uh, minority service institutions uh, about our opportunities, about the career uh, within our foreign commercial service. And we were able to um, uh, host uh, 15 events last year with more than 200 participants representing, I think, HBCUs and HACUs and AAPI, the Native American community, LGBTQIA+, and rural communities. So we, we, we've, we have this uh, this vast uh, resource of, of offices around the country in 108 locations and and we're able to use them and we are actively using them to uh to do the outreach uh, to help make our organization as diverse as diverse as possible. We also have something called an ambassadors program. Uh that ambassadors program uh you know taps into all of our skills across the various business units within ITA and we they, we have people with, from each of those units uh, that are out there reaching out in these communities as well uh, to explain the opportunities that we have. And I think it's that's been very, very good for us as well. So uh, I'm really excited about uh, uh, the strength of our, uh, the, the growing strength of our our, our workforce. Um, I can tell you that our, our most recent assessment was our most diverse ever. Uh, and very excited about that.
1: Well, so I know we're almost out of time, but I got to ask you, Dale, right? A, a guy like you, you could have retired years ago. Um, there's some Fortune 500 out there that's willing to quadruple your salary to bring you on to do their government affairs. What keeps you coming back to work every day,
0: uh, Joe? It's it's the people. Um, it it just it, it falls down to that. It's the people you work with. It's the people you meet uh, uh, in the career that we're in. Uh, it's the uh, uh, it's just the opportunity to see diverse cultures and and uh, and places. Um, and, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, meet with, uh, folks that, that want to, you know, want to, want to sell overseas because, uh, they see that as a good opportunity to build their companies, make it stronger and create jobs. And, and I think that's what, that's what brings me back every day, you know, over the past years, um. We've seen a lot of changes in the U.S. and foreign commercial service, uh, starting back to 1980. Uh, but most of them have, you know, st- it all starts. You know, as you know, Joe, it all starts with technology. You know that, right? Uh, from your background, and and I think back about the times when uh, when I was a, a budding trade specialist back in the, in the Nashville office, and and we had uh, dot matrix printers. I, I don't know how many folks are going to remember dot matrix printers, but they they made this kind of zipping sound when they were when they you know when 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 information was coming in and. And that dot that matrix printer that we had in a computer room—it was a—it was as big as this table, uh, not the room, but the the, the printer itself. That uh, that printer would go off, and you knew that. Something was coming in from overseas, some kind of cable or some kind of uh, of, of piece of information that you needed to uh, uh, you needed to go get, and it was very very exciting. And to think back to to a dot matrix printer and to where we are today with uh, with our phones and our our texts and our tweets and all the things that we have is just it's just mind blowing uh, in a, in a lot of ways. But uh, but technology has really has really driven uh, uh, driven a lot of changes with us. And you know, and these people that I mentioned that we work with, their their skills are so much better. I mean, I'm not sure they'd hire me today, frankly, uh, if if I had to compete. Uh, in in an assessment, uh, but uh, it's really uh, it's really great to see the, the strength and the skills and the and the compassion and the, uh, and, the and the and the dedication of uh, of our people across uh, across the organization. So those that are thinking about the Foreign Commercial Service, I can guarantee it's a great place to work. Our programs, our services—they've gotten—they've uh, uh, gotten better over the years. They've gotten uh, more specific. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, numbers upon numbers of ways we can help, help U.S. Uh, U.S. companies do business. That's been a that's been a big change. And then, of course, how we measure uh, what we do has been greatly impactful to our overall ability to grow as an organization. Uh, and, and I'm proud to say we uh, we helped 51,000 uh, different uh, uh, different U.S. companies. And foreign buyers, uh, foreign uh, foreign investors, and buyers last year uh, do business in the U.S. and and that's a that's a that was our our record uh, record number for us. It's really exciting.
1: That is fifty one thousand is a lot of businesses, right? You you put a few jobs against each of those, and, and you're talking about a real economic impact in, in people's lives. I know I said one last question before, but I got one more. So, you know, there is a good chance, and you certainly have my vote to be the next ambassador to somewhere in in Europe. But what advice do you have for younger people out there who are just now contemplating joining the Foreign Commercial Service or joining the ITA as a federal civilian and, you know, the path you took to get where you are? And even those who may have just joined the the federal service, just some kind of advice for what, what makes for the kind of incredibly successful career you've had.
0: You know, I think most importantly is is to is to to, to cultivate that desire uh, for international. I think that's it. All starts with uh, students who are coming out of maybe high school and college who who have a have a uh, sort of a, a knack or a desire for uh, for international work or for international travel, uh, and then to take that and, and 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 turn over every opportunity you can uh, to do something uh, to do something in the international space. I think that you know, working uh, as a civil servant or as a foreign service officer, uh, working for uh, uh, your government, uh, as a and serving your 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 families and your and your colleagues and and, and people across the country, is uh, is just a wonderful thing to do. I mean, you mentioned you know jobs and 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 companies and the pay you can get, but I got to tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than. Than, uh, than, than, than serving your country and serving its people uh, and representing uh, the United States of America in, uh, in foreign markets. Um. For those of you who are interested in, in joining the U.S. and Foreign Commercial Service, our Global Markets Unit, uh, or uh, uh, or ITA in a broader sense, uh, we have a, a website at uh, uh, trade.gov, T-R-A-D-E dot G-O-V. It's that easy. Uh, you know, t- check us out. Uh, yeah, the assessment process for Foreign Service Officers is there, as well as other uh, opportunities for uh, for joining us uh, as a civil servant. Uh, ITA, uh, Global Markets, uh, uh, ENC, our, our export, uh, Enforcement and Compliance Group, and our Industry and Analysis Group and INA, all great places to work. And we uh, look forward to uh, to meeting you and to welcoming you.
1: Thank you so much, Dale. This is Joe Paiva. This has been a deeper look with Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Global Markets and Director General of the U.S. Foreign and Commercial Service, Arun Venkatraman, and the Deputy Director General for Global Markets, Dale Tisharki. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Arun.
0: You've been listening to A Deeper Look with Joe Paiva here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search A Deeper Look.